Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asian markets are trading lower this Monday morning as investors look ahead to US earnings season and wait for the latest Chinese economic numbers that are due out this morning. Tokyo is trading down 1.3%. Seoul is in the red as well. Markets in Australia, Hong Kong and much of Europe are closed today for the Easter holidays. Joining me now as we break down all the market action. How was the long weekend, Ryan Huang? Oh, it was fantastic. How was yours, Michelle? Too short, Ryan. <laughs> you need an Easter Monday break like many other markets that are having a break today. Indeed. Corporate earnings in the U.S., economic data from China, the latest installments of the Elon Musk report. Investors, we have a lot of information to get through this morning, even if many traders are still on holiday enjoying their Easter weekend. So let's start with the U.S. market. S&P 500 futures are trading lower this morning, ahead of a big week of earnings. Tesla and Netflix reported this week. United Airlines and IBM will open their books as well. Tonight, though, Bank of America discloses its first quarter earnings. Before the opening bell, BOA has an investor call 8.30 p.m. tonight local time as the U.S. Federal Reserve starts down the path of higher interest rates and tighter monetary policy. What exactly are the markets expecting from BOA and other banks? Okay, so we've seen some banks already roll out the numbers last week in all Things considered, it was a rather mixed showing so far. And coming through from BOA, we are likely to see the same. So some parts of it will be good. And we could see um, some recovery numbers or some commentary about recovery. Um, some consumer spending outlook commentary will likely be in focus. And they will continue to likely be positive for BOA. Uh, and also what we in focus is the impact of rising rates. And what analysts are saying is this could result in higher borrowing costs for the bank in the future. So that could be a headwind for BOA. Also look out for things like loans, credit cards, mortgages, how that could play out. And one of the things to consider is the banks have enjoyed quite a boom year in the past few years. So they are coming off a relatively higher base. So the results this time around are unlikely to be blockbuster or spectacular. So this is something you have to take into consideration not to raise your expectations too high. So something uh, that will be out today for BOA and in the coming days we have even more numbers to get into. Mm, other US banks are also reporting a rough first quarter. Citibank, Goldman Sachs, both reporting 40% dips in profits. Wells Fargo profits have come in 20% lower than a year ago. Aside from the banks, Ryan, which other companies are you going to be looking out for this week? Ooh. I'm sure... Tesla and Netflix is going to attract a lot of attention. Yeah, let me dig into my notebook. It's quite a long list. (laughs) So on the list, we have, like you pointed out, Netflix and Tesla. So they will be in focus because they are a bit of a bellwether for the rest of the industry. So Netflix, in the recent quarter that passed, they were talking about how their subscriber numbers were slowing down with the backdrop of intensifying competition. So look out for how that will play out this time around. But there's some good news in the form of how their a stronger pipeline of content. So that's going to be in the form of things like, I believe, the next season of Stranger Things. I'm not sure if you're a fan of that. Are you? Stranger Things couldn't get through the first episode. (laughs) So you're not (laughs) going to be on that list. No. Stranger Things Season 4 Part 1 is part of the pipeline. Um, You've got also Russian Doll, a new season of Peaky Blinders. So maybe something to bring in the fans back again for Netflix. And looking at the other earnings in focus, we've got Johnson & Johnson. They kick off the earnings season 
for the healthcare sector. So mm. that's also a bit of a bellwether. And okay. a couple of um, lingering pandemic headwinds have been focused. Um, they've had a big boom year in the past year or so. So something that could moderate in the coming years. So that's going to be something to watch out for. Uh, also, PNG will be reporting their third quarter earnings. Um, this is going to be on April 20th. Um, before the market opens. Mm. So we are looking out to see how much they can pass on in terms of higher costs. And this has been the story for many companies. Things have been more expensive, commodities, freight, wages. So margins have been focused this time around for PNG and many other companies reporting this week. Earnings season off to a decent start so far. Not that many companies have reported just yet, but about three quarters of those that have are reporting earnings that come in above expectations. Here in Asia, investors have their eyes out this morning for the latest economic data from China. GDP industrial production figures due out 10 a.m. local time. This is going to give investors an indication of just how China's faring amidst its worst COVID-19 wave in two years. Now, Shanghai has published plans to resume work in the city for Following weeks of a lockdown that has snarled supply chains and likely dealt a blow to China's economy, what is the latest on this front? Yeah, what I am seeing is reports, um, so unofficial, at least going by what I'm seeing right now, that we are possibly getting a bit of a turning point in the Shanghai lockdown come Wednesday. So if this apparently is the goal or the timeline being set by officials, and this is according to a copy of um, a a speech um, that is being seen by Reuters that will give a bit of a schedule of how things will play out from here on because we've seen the past few weeks how the Shanghai lockdown went from about nine days to weeks and now you've got a lot of protests just being circulated around various social media platforms a lot Mm. of unrest businesses have been complaining they can't get workers they can't get materials so a lot of things under strain right now. And I think officials are starting to acknowledge and recognize how they need to recalibrate some of these measures. And Wednesday apparently could be the turning point where they could start to ease up a bit more. And according to them, they are looking at how these case numbers may Mm. be starting to decline. Going by one of the Shanghai Health Commission officials, the latest number on Saturday was around 23,643. According to him, he says the number has been declining in the past two days. So maybe that's giving them enough confidence um, to, in part, help to recalibrate um, the latest measures. So something to look out for on Wednesday to see if indeed they will push forward with a bit of a what's being called a business restart plan where mm. some businesses will have a bit of a closed circuit loop where workers can be on site. And a lot of testing will be done as well. So a bit of a mix of both a lockdown and um, things being resumed. Still on China, last week investors were expecting China's central bank to lower a key lending rate, but it didn't. What do we know about what's behind the PBOC's thinking and just how are investors reacting to the news? Yeah, This was a bit of a surprise because for quite some time we were looking for some accommodative policy to be coming through from China. They've been talking about it for quite some time. Market watchers were talking about it and expecting it for quite some time, but it did not happen on Friday. They kept their rates unchanged. The one-year medium-term loan unchanged at 2.85%. So despite all the talk about boosting stimulus, they did not lower 
the rates. So something that took market watchers by surprise. And on Thursday, ahead of the announcement, we saw share markets in China rise. So it will be worth watching how that plays out in the coming weeks if there's going to be a bit of a reverse direction with no rates announced. So from what you're seeing, are global investors currently viewing China's stocks as a good opportunity or a sector to avoid? Yeah, this is a tough one because depending on who you ask, there is a reason to be worried. And if you look at what's happening in China, there are many reasons to be worried. So if you look at what's playing out in the past few months, you've got the Ukraine war right at the top of the list. And China is more cozy to Russia than how some investors would have liked. And based on that alone, many have been cutting their exposure to Chinese markets. So that's a bit of a proxy moment there for China. You also got the Shanghai lockdown, Shenzhen lockdown, and many other cities under lockdown. So that's also hampering the growth prospects of the wider economy. Mm. Uh, you also got the clamp down on many regulates, uh, many industries that's mm. been playing out in the past year or so. Uh, that's going to be another headwind to watch in the coming year. So all those reasons, just seeing investors blocking away from investing in China. So if you look at what's happened in March, uh, we've seen many foreign funds just pulling out of um, China. And this has seen the CSI 300 index down 15% year-to-date. And global funds pulling out have sold more than $7 billion worth of main board listed stocks uh, via exchange links with Hong Kong in March alone. So wow. that is something to keep track of to see if uh, we could actually see this um, accelerate as we see these worries continue to play out. One other macro issue to take a look at this morning is the price of oil. It's trending higher again. Brent crude now trading at 113 US dollars a barrel. West Texas selling just a bit shy of 108 dollars. So, in short, why are oil prices surging again? Hmm, yeah, it's going to be for many reasons, including China. And this has been partly driven by headlines. You've got some talk about how we mentioned just now, Shanghai looking at a bit of a business restart. So, in some, in, in some fronts, on some ex, um, fronts, in some extent, you've got the uh, Chinese picture easing in terms of restrictions. So, that gives a prospect of a better... Uh, demand outlook for commodities, including oil. Um, that is also seeing Ukraine in the picture, where we have the possibility of more sanctions coming through on Russia, and this is potentially coming through from Europe. So sanctions mean shorter supply, and that will squeeze um, prices higher. So something to look out for as mm-hmm. well to see how this plays out. Do you think lower China growth figures might dampen the enthusiasm of oil traders? Wouldn't that indicate potentially less demand for crude, Ryan? Yeah, that could be a very big reason to see prices swing again. The numbers coming out today, in fact, it's going to be a data dump, including the likes of the first quarter GDP numbers, industrial production numbers, and many other indicators for the month of March. So looking at the GDP numbers, first quarter consensus forecast is for 4.3%. That will be better than the 4% in the previous three months year on year. But if you look at it quarter on quarter to look at how momentum is playing out, it will actually indicate it is slowing down from 1.6% to 0.7%. So it will give an indication of the impact from the COVID lockdowns and how much more 
a commodative policy, we could actually look forward to uh, depending on how bad or how good the numbers are. All right, I've held off as long as I can. Now it's time for the latest installment of the Elon Musk show. Over the long weekend, Elon Musk announced he would try to buy out Twitter and take it private. Twitter's board has counted with something commonly known as a poison pill. Shareholder rights plan, basically, which will make it much harder for Musk to do what he's got in mind. Give us a primer. What is a poison pill or shareholder rights plan, Ryan? How would it work in this case? Yeah, a poison pill, like you imagine, is something they would rather swallow than let someone else take control. So just to dive into the mechanisms of it, this is something that a few companies have. Um, They've put it on standby in case something like Elon Musk happens, uh, someone who wants to buy out a company, but uh, for many other reasons that the board might not be comfortable around, they will then threaten to activate the poison pill. So there are a few um, variations of how this can play out depending on how it's structured. But in general, a poison pill could, for example, flood the market with many more shares such that it can become more expensive and more difficult for anyone to get control of the company because they in turn will have to buy more shares. Mm -hmm. And they could also... Um, make the shares voting rights different so that anyone buying the new shares will have not enough voting rights. So depending on how it's structured, um, this could make any takeover deal more difficult than before. So with this plan in place, do you think Musk can still afford to buy Twitter? Okay, so this is going to be a question mark because we don't have the exact details of how the poison pill is structured and how much more expensive it could make the takeover deal. Uh, but how much is too much for the world's richest man? Uh, <laughs> anyways, um, this is also, if you consider, part of the whole dance around negotiations, right? You threaten or saber rattle that you might do something and then the other guy sweetens the deal. And even though Elon Musk has said, no, this is the final offer, it's just verbal, no? He can still sweeten the deal. So maybe you could still see him sweeten the deal in some form to convince shareholders, the board, and whoever else he needs to convince that he should be the guy buying Twitter. So it's going to be a long-running season of Elon Musk. Yeah. So do you think Musk could challenge this poison pill plan in court? He could potentially do so, but I don't really see the grounds for doing it because it's quite a normal corporate action for anyone. If you've been following markets since the 1980s, it's been quite popular. The Poison Pill Act um, or mechanism has been used to ward off people like Carl Icahn. So he, Mm. of course, is one of the most famous activists, investors, corporate raiders, some people call them. Um, So it's been quite, I guess in a way, not uncommon. So I would be surprised if Elon Musk um, takes up his time to pursue this in court rather than look for alternatives to convince the board. (laughs) Over the weekend, Musk put out a cryptic Elvis-inspired tweet, Love Me Tender. What do you think he means by this? Yeah, it's very cryptic, like you pointed out. Just three words, love me tender and musical note or symbol at the end of the line. So it's a bit of a, is he adding a new song to his playlist or is he talking about his latest Twitter takeover? Is he declaring his love for Twitter? Never ending. Maybe love me tender and also tender could play into the fact that, no, tender is also a bit. So he might be making a play on words. 
Uh, we'll have to see his next tweet to see what is the background of this. Oh my gosh. Another Elon Musk news still related to tweeting and company privatizations. A US judge has ruled against Musk, arguing that he's misled investors and did so back in 2018 when Musk tweeted about a deal to privatize Tesla. Tell us about this. Yeah, this was big news, if you remember. He tweeted, 420. That was the price of the shares that he would be selling to someone. Apparently, he had secured funding from. But it turns out the judge has ruled that was false. And now he may be in some deep trouble depending on how the court rulings play out. Because uh, now the next step is to see what the judge orders are. So that could be something that could be um, published uh, soon enough. I believe the next trial date is set for May 31st in San Francisco. So we could get more details then. But that date could change as well. Uh, also worth noting, 420 is also half the price that is in the Twitter takeover, $54.20. So he's managed to also squeeze in that reference in the latest Twitter mm, takeover bit, clever. $54.20. Uh, and by the way, Twitter's current share price, $45.08. All right, keep that in mind. Let's turn to Singapore now. We are 22 minutes into the local trading day. The Straits Times Index was one of the worst performing markets in the region last week, dropping 2% to 3335. How is ESTI trading this Monday morning? And is it still coming under selling pressure or are buyers stepping back in? Yeah, so we are seeing the region pretty much down so far this morning. And we are seeing the STI in line with that trend, down 0.3%. At its, and it's now trading at 3,325. Let's take a look at the 30 constituents. Uh, just slightly more red than green right now. At the bottom of the table, we have Dairy Farm down 2.1%. Followed by Hong Kong Land, SGX, UOB, DBS and looking at where we are for OCBC uh, OCBC is the only bank in the green right now just slightly above water by 0.2% at the top of the table we've got Yangzhou Jiang Shipbuilding up 1.2% at $1.66 followed by SETS Samcorp Industries and Capital DC REIT so it's a rather mixed picture right now and I think investors are just trying to figure out where to go from here and mm. waiting for the Chinese data dump coming out very soon. Indeed. 35 minutes. Thanks very much, Ryan. Local investors are still going to be digesting news this week that Singapore's economy grew at a slower pace in the first quarter than expected. GDP growth came in at 3.4%. Also, the Monetary Authority of Singapore is taking an aggressive approach to tightening credit and it's forecasting higher inflation. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download Download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.